the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There are some who see their calling, their role in life, as pointing out everyone else's sin. That's their calling. They're self-appointed spiritual policemen who love to tell everyone else what they're doing wrong. But interestingly enough, rarely, if ever, do they see their own sins, especially their sins of pride and self-righteousness. There is an arrogance that goes along with it. They are quick to find and harshly condemn and expose the sins of others, but incredible blind spots when it comes to their own faults, their own sins. We are all familiar with the so-called blind spot when driving our car. It is the spot where a car can be beside you, and while using your mirrors, you may fail to see it. Just because we can't see the car beside us doesn't mean it isn't there, nor is it a reason to be excused from fault if an accident occurs. I have attempted to change lanes while driving, and looking in my mirror, I don't see a vehicle. But when I turn my head and look, there is a vehicle beside me. And had I changed lanes, an accident would have occurred, and it would have been my fault. Judging others is the same principle. We are quick to find fault in someone else and fail to recognize that we are guilty of the same fault. God has not appointed us to point out the faults of others with whom we come in contact so as to improve their character. Actually, this is a character flaw we have, which needs to be corrected before we correct someone else. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is guiding us in an in-depth study of Matthew chapter 7, excerpts from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is the second part of our lesson that deals with judging others, lest we be judged. Pastor Steve is word by word and verse by verse taking this concept apart and clarifying its meaning. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His teaching ministry at Lakeside has grown to include these daily radio Bible classes. As parents, employees, or employers, or just individuals, it is important to lead by example. Talk is cheap and it does not go very far, but a living example of our talk speaks volumes and goes a long way. So let's listen as Pastor Steve helps us unravel this difficult passage. He has told us what it doesn't mean. Now, let's find out what it means. Now, with all of this in mind, that's the big picture. As chapter 7 begins, Jesus tells us that the way we are to behave towards our fellow Christians is that we are not to judge them. As I said, that's the big picture. Now, the smaller picture. We once again ask this all-important question. What did Jesus mean by the three words that open this chapter, do not judge? Now, listen very carefully. Because an understanding of this entire passage hinges on knowing the meaning of these three words. 
the judgment that Jesus was talking about, as we said, has absolutely nothing to do with making value judgments about people's behavior and doctrine. We're called to do that. Actually, to not do that is wrong. But the kind of judging that Christ forbids, note this, is that hypercritical, negative attitude that delights in looking for the faults of others and finding them so that we would harshly condemn them. Far from being constructive criticism, which is designed to help people, this type of judging is destructive because it criticizes people for the sake of criticizing people. There's nothing constructive about it. In fact, this type of judging has with it, inherent in it, a malicious and a wicked satisfaction about pointing out the sins of others. Why? Because it makes the person judging feel so superior to the person he judges. Because you know what? I'm not like them. And look how they behave. In the words of John Stott, this kind of person who, in looking for the faults of others, puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous toward their mistakes. Now, I think to really grasp what Jesus was saying is to understand that in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, what our Lord is teaching us as his followers is that we are never to judge people and criticize others like those self-righteous, hypocritical Pharisees did. That's certainly the context. That's certainly what he's been saying consistently all through this sermon. Don't be like them. In other words, he's telling us not to treat people the way the Pharisees treated people because the Pharisees were the epitome of self-righteous, arrogant, hypercritical, and hypocritical judges who found fault in everyone who wasn't exactly like them. And the Lord illustrated this very self-righteous, judgmental spirit in a parable he gave in Luke chapter 18. So let's look at that. I think this is very important. Luke chapter 18. We'll break in at verse 11. This is a parable that Jesus gave in order to illustrate a very important truth. It says in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And you could just imagine him with the wave of a hand going, this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, Jesus said, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. And notice he said, the sinner, not just a sinner. I'm, I'm a horrible sinner. I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, you can see by Christ's portrayal of this very typical, and this was typical of the Pharisees, this typical Pharisee, that he exhibited his self-righteousness. Watch this. Not merely by pointing out the sins of the tax collector. That, that wasn't the real issue. But by exalting himself as a righteous individual by pointing out with delight the sins of the tax collector. He got a kick out of it. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed it and looked down upon this man because... This man wasn't like he was. He didn't agree with him. And this man was quick, this Pharisee was quick to condemn and criticize this tax collector as a horrible sinner, and he felt he was so much better than this individual. He enjoyed it. He may not have said those words, but he got a kick out of it because it made him look better. Now, you know what? While the Pharisees 
as an official religious group, no longer exist. If you went to Israel and you would see they're no longer a group known as the Pharisees. They, they passed from the scene. But this overly critical, fault-finding, self-righteous spirit of the Pharisees, sadly enough, continues to live on in many Christians. In fact, looking for and exposing the sins of other Christians seems to be a favorite pastime of many believers. There are some who see their calling, their role in life, as pointing out everyone else's sin. That's their calling. They're self-appointed spiritual policemen who love to tell everyone else what they're doing wrong. But interestingly enough, rarely, if ever, do they see their own sins, especially their sins of pride and self-righteousness. There is an arrogance that goes along with it. They are quick to find and harshly condemn and expose the sins of others, but incredible blind spots when it comes to their own faults, their own sins. So, you know what, folks, how can we tell if we're guilty of this? And let me just say, all of us, to one level, at one level or another, are guilty of this. All of us. Because that's part of of being a fallen creature. We all are quick to criticize others unjustly. How can you tell if you're guilty of this type of pharisaical condemning and judging of others? Well, let me give you a few glaring ways that this sin shows itself and rears its ugly head. And I, and I would just caution you not to apply it to somebody else. Yes, I know someone who's just like that. Now, how is it in your life? Because that's what I found myself doing this week and studying it. Oh, I know people like, oh, yeah, I hope they're there to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> I might even give them a tape and, you know. No, and it's us. It's not somebody else. It's us. First of all, you are guilty of the sin of judging others if you you enjoy discovering sin in the life of another Christian. Now, you may not say, I enjoy it, but in your heart of hearts, you really enjoy it. Instead of sin grieving your heart because you love them and, and love wants what's best for someone else, deep in your heart, you're actually glad that they're in sin because it makes you feel so good about yourself since you don't do what, what they do, those other people. Listen to what Paul told the Corinthians about this very attitude. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, Paul addresses this very issue. This is the way love behaves. Notice what he says in chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. Love, love is not a sentimental feeling. It's very concrete, very specific. He says, In verse 6, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Do you get that? Love doesn't enjoy seeing somebody walk in unrighteousness. Love doesn't see sin in someone's life and say, "I, I think that's great. Love does not rejoice, he says, in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, meaning if they're walking in the truth. Love, he says in verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In other words, love hopes for the best in others. Love believes the best about others. Love, Love is optimistic about others. Love rejoices when others are walking in the truth. But the spirit of a judgmental Pharisee hopes for the worst in others. It derives, as I said, wicked pleasure, deep satisfaction in finding the sins and weaknesses of others. Why? Because it makes the Pharisee in us feel so much better about ourselves. Because as I said, we're not like them. Now folks, that's what Jesus meant when he said, do not judge. Don't be like the Pharisees. If you are, then you need to repent. As I said, don't think about other people, but if you enjoy the sins of others, especially someone who you don't like, well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm glad I see that in their life. 
Yeah, now I know I'm better than them. That's evil. That's what Jesus was addressing. Another second evidence of the sin of judging others is that this type of of judging is characterized by focusing on those things that are relatively insignificant, but treating them as if they're matters of deep theological and moral significance. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at Romans 14. It's critical that you see this. Romans 14. Uh, For some reason, an often neglected passage of Scripture when studying the book of Romans, but extremely important. The Apostle Paul addressed in Romans 14, right at the beginning, this, this very problem, very problem with the Christians at Rome. I want to read to you verses 1 through 5, and then I'll explain to you how this is so relevant to us today. Now, before we read Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, let's take a break and welcome those who have just tuned in. We're glad you could join us, and if you would like to hear the first part of this study, stay tuned, and at the end of the message, we will tell you how you can get the entire message and even the entire series. Pastor Steve Kreloff, the senior pastor of the Lakeside Community Chapel, is in the middle of a study of Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount. We're going verse by verse through some difficult portions of this sermon. The Sermon on the Mount applies to life today and describes the kind of godly character that we should have as believers in this world. What Jesus did was focus on attitude, our attitudes toward circumstances, people, ourselves, and God. Let's return to verse 6 and see what Pastor Steve has to say. Paul writes, verse 1, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servants of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, let's stop there and let me explain. The Christians at Rome were criticizing and evaluating each other's spirituality based on two very secondary, insignificant issues. The first issue was food. Foods that that people in the church felt comfortable and not comfortable in eating. There were some Jewish believers in that church who still observed Old Testament dietary laws, what we would say would be kosher foods, and they refused to eat other food. There, there were others in the church, Gentiles, who refused to eat foods that had been sacrificed to idols. Their conscience wasn't clear about that, and so they refused it. And there were others who said, I have no problem with this. And there were other Jewish believers who said, I have no, I have no problem with eating all foods. And so you had them passing judgments on each other and, and basing their opinion of someone's spirituality on this issue. The second issue that they had a problem with was uh, certain days, how, how believers viewed Special days, whether or not um, you were, it was right to celebrate Old Testament Jewish holy days or the Sabbath and exalt the Sabbath over another day. Or, and, and probably they had a problem with special days associated with, with Gentile paganism. And so you have these two issues that were blown out of proportion and they're made to, mean, to, to be interpreted as something that's highly significant. Paul said they're liberty issues. A liberty issue is an issue is a matter that that is not explicitly commanded or condemned in Scripture. It's not right, nor is it wrong. It's left up to us based on our conscience, whether our conscience is free to do these things. 
You may have a new Jewish believer who, who uh, can't, in his conscience, eat pork. You may have someone else who's been a Jewish believer for many years who says, I have no problem with that. Paul says that's a liberty issue. That's a liberty issue. It does not reveal one's spirituality. It's left up to us to decide what we're going to do based on the freedom we have in our conscience. And this is why Paul taught that each individual must decide these things before the Lord. Notice what he says beginning in verse 6. This is his answer to it. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. Person who says, hey, this one day is more special than another, he's doing it unto the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat and gives thanks to God. What he's saying is he does this unto the Lord. So don't judge his motives. For, one, for not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. He's talking about believers, of course. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. What he's saying is it's not our right to judge anybody's spirituality based on these secondary issues. There is a master that we all answer to. That's the Lord himself, the ultimate judge. But these Roman Christians were guilty of the sin of judging and condemning others, as I said, by making food and days the marks of spirituality and godliness. And folks, I've got to tell you, we do some of the same things today when we judge the spirituality of other believers based on secondary issues. For example, the style of music that someone prefers in a church service. And it can go both ways. Judging those who like, who like the old hymns, as being inflexible, old-fashioned, out of touch with what the Lord is doing today, is judging them. It's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely wrong to say that's, that's a mark of not being very spiritual. They're, they're, they're still in another century. That's absolutely wrong. On the other hand, judging those who like contemporary choruses and, dare I say it, drums and electric guitars in their worship service as being worldly is also judging. It is exactly, in principle, what Paul was talking about to the Romans. Taking a secondary issue and making a major case for someone's spirituality and judging someone on that, absolutely wrong. There are other ways we do the same thing. We're often guilty of evaluating the spiritual maturity of other Christians based on the Bible version they use. In some circles, if you don't use the King James version of the Bible, you are worldly, you are liberal. If you use the NIV, you are also liberal. That's just absolutely wrong. Or how one might dress in church. They don't come, man doesn't come with a suit and tie or a sport coat or a woman doesn't come in a nice dress. We judge them, that's wrong. Or whether or not Christians go to movies or whether or not they drink alcoholic beverages or whether or not they agree with you on some secondary doctrinal issue such as the mode of baptism or the timing of the rapture. Listen, if you look down on other Christians because of these minor secondary, and in many cases, petty issues, then you are guilty of pharisaical judging. And it's to you that Jesus says, do not judge others like this. That's exactly what Paul condemned in Romans 14. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, because that's the spirit of the Pharisees. There's a third way that the sin of judging others shows itself. And it's when we judge the motives 
of fellow believers, when we judge their motives, listen, none of us are capable of seeing what's in someone else's heart. We don't know why people do what they, what they do. We can only see their actions. So we don't know their motives. We don't know the intents of their heart. And yet there are some Christians who are very quick to judge the motives of others. They are always giving and attributing the worst case motives to others. They know for certain that our actions were done for reasons of self-glory. We acted in the flesh. We acted to get attention. Now listen, that all that's wrong. You don't know that. I don't know that from anybody's life. See, whenever we accuse someone of sinful motives, we have taken the place of God. We have taken the place of God because only the omniscient God is capable of reading our hearts and knowing our motives. Paul, once again, addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'd like you to see this. And while you're turning there, let me say the reason that there are so many verses that, that coincide with this is because this is a very real problem that we face. They faced it in the early church. We face it today. This is a practical, relevant issue for us. It's not, it's not something that, is a first, that was a first century issue. It's for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice what Paul said. The Corinthians judged him. They judged other spiritual leaders. Paul says in verse 3, But to me, it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself. Paul said, it's really very, very small whether you judge me. He said, I don't even judge myself. And then he added in verse 4, For I am conscious of nothing against myself. There wasn't anything in Paul's life that he was aware of was that, that was out of touch with what God's word says. Yet he added, I am not by this acquitted. He said, just because I don't know it doesn't mean that everything is right, but the one who examines me is the Lord. And then note this, and the key verse is verse five. Therefore, he says, do not go on passing judgment before the time. What time? He's, he explains, but wait until the Lord comes. That's the time who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. He said, I don't judge myself. I don't even know my own motivations. Only God knows them. And someday I will stand before him and he will disclose the motives of the heart. And then if there's praise to come from him, there will be praise from him. But right now, none of us knows anyone's motives. So if you're judging people's motives, you have to stop. That's wrong. That's sin. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, do not judge. So the Lord has told us very clearly in this opening statement of Matthew 7 that we are not to judge our brothers and sisters with a critical fault-finding, petty, self-righteous spirit of contempt, a contempt that takes delight in the sins of others. It's just an ugly sin, and yet it's a very common sin amongst Christians. And as I said before, we all tend to do this because by nature, our fallenness, we are critics, and we love to condemn others. And so to help us curb this evil tendency that comes with just being a fallen person, After commanding us not to judge others, Jesus goes on to give us specific reasons why we shouldn't judge others. In other words, what he he does, and he does this very often in his teaching, he'll give you the broad general statement, and then he'll give you the specifics as to why you should do what he said. That is tremendous insight with a personal application as to the three evidences that determine the sin of judging. First, if we enjoy discovering sins in the lives of others. Second, focusing on insignificant matters as if they had great importance. 
And third, when we judge the motives of others, which is impossible for us to do. Only God sees the heart and only God can judge their motives. We're glad you could join us today for this study in Matthew chapter 7. Pastor Steve has been in a study on the Sermon on the Mount taught by Jesus Christ as he walked this earth. This is the 13th message in the series. Today's class was the middle part of a three-part message on judging others. If you would like to hear the message in its entirety, please call us. You can order a CD or cassette by calling 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll call you back during regular office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. At our website, you'll find today's broadcast as well as many previous ones. We place them there so that you can listen to them online or download them to listen later on your computer or MP3 player. We even offer a free podcasting service if you'd like to make sure that you get all the future classes. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Please tune in next time to hear the last of this series. Two reasons for not judging others. Until then, may the Lord direct your steps. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.